Hey, girlfriends, welcome to another episode of Girlfriends and Goals. We're your hosts, Miosha and Samaria. This podcast is a space where we'll talk about friendships, life goals, a little bit of pop culture, and all things womanhood. Our top goal this year is to grow our podcast audience. So if you're new here or you're an avid listener of this podcast, please subscribe, leave us a five star rating, write a review, and be sure to share this episode with a girlfriend or two. All right, so we're kicking off today's episode with our segment called Girlfriend Check-In, and it's where we ask each other a question to just kind of check in on where we are at this point. And so today's question is, what is your biggest fear right now? My biggest fear right now in this season would have to be death. And I can't say that I've always felt that way Mm -hmm. or that I've thought about it often, but I definitely feel like there's been a shift since me becoming a mom. And so I've kind of taken some time to reflect, like, why are you feeling this way? Why are you feeling anxious about something happening to you? And it's not, I guess, me not being here for myself, even though I feel like I'm young and I still have a lot of life ahead of me. Mm -hmm. I am fearful of not seeing my child through a certain level of development. So not being there for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like my job isn't done, which I don't think it'll ever be done. Right. But I just feel this sense of fear of something happening to me and me not being here for mm-hmm. them um, just because I'm their mom. And I feel like no one else can replace the level of care and concern and guidance that I can give to them. And so, yeah, I find myself just being afraid of something happening to me, not necessarily, well, obviously I want to live a lot more life, but more mm-hmm. so for me to be here for my child. Right. And I have not felt that before. Mm. That is interesting. And I actually have two responses because I didn't know you were going to go this deep (laughs) with that question. (laughs) I was like, dag, okay, (laughs) get us started then, Miosha. So I'll give the more serious thing first that I had to say. And that is, has that inspired you to put certain plans into place or has it inspired anything for you, even like change? how cautious you are in your day-to-day life. What has that changed for you, this fear? Mm -hmm. So definitely, well, I don't know about my day-to-day life, but Mm -hmm. certain things that I may have done before, Mm -hmm. more riskier things uh, that I know that I've done in my past, I don't think I would do going forward um, now that I'm in this season and I just feel like, uh, if something happens to me, I don't want it to be because I was being reckless, overly reckless right? Uh, with my behavior. Like, obviously, if it's out of my control, that's one thing. But if it's because of my own decision, that's not something that I want. So I definitely feel like um, it's affected maybe not day to day, but certain other things that I would have done that maybe were more risky. Like I could think of um, going on vacation and doing certain 
water sports that were extremely risky Mm -hmm. uh, in in other countries that I wouldn't do now just because I'm like, oh, I really have, not that I didn't have to get back home before, but (laughs) I have even more uh, motivation to get back home. And as far as preparation, um, I've always thought about like, okay, what needs to be in place in Mm -hmm. case something does happen. Um, But definitely, obviously my child is still very young. So since they've been here, it's been more serious about, oh, you definitely have to put something down on paper. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm also like reflecting because I feel like I have kind of always been ridiculously cautious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think it is that caretaker aspect, you know, like I was a caretaker at a very, you know, young age. And so I've always had that like need for caution. Mm -hmm. Um, I can remember (laughs) being in a car with one of my friends. Um, I think it was maybe like moving out of one parking spot to another or something like that. But he started to like back up and I didn't have my seatbelt on. I was like, whoa, (laughs) we just risking our friends lives today. Like what is going on? (laughs) You know, but yeah, that's really nice to know. I feel like I've learned something new about you. Yeah. And it would be nice to say like, oh yeah, like my number one priority is to be here for me, which that's definitely is still important to me. I still look forward to being here and experiencing life, but I want to be here even more so to see my child through all of what life brings, but even more so through a certain level of development where I know that they'll be okay. Got you. Uh, the second less serious thing that I was going to say, like, as you were talking, you switched from child to them and they, and I was like, is there something else she's trying to tell me? Like, should I be picking up on the clues right now? So, um, yeah, but then you end up with child again. So I was like, maybe not. No, I'm just all over the place. There's no news brewing. Oh, so I definitely wish you the best. I hope that, um, your anxieties calm down just a bit, you know, I know that it'll always be there because you're a mommy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it ever ends for moms, you know, and probably not dads too. But yeah, definitely wishing you some calm with that. Mm, thank you. You're so welcome. So I think my biggest fear right now is something that is um, a couple years out. And that is, um, it's career. Mm. So you know, i taken this step I've done all of the schooling my dissertation is going to be done in a couple of years and um, my biggest fear is what's next but not so much what's next it's that I have this desire to not do things the traditional way and because I don't want to do things the traditional way I am going to have to create a path that works for me and I Mm -hmm. think that is scary because it's like oh what if I flop and then I end up having to go the traditional route, you know? Um, And so that for me is what's really scary right now. Just hoping that the life that I envision, I can get myself into gear (laughs) to get there and praying that there's really like a favorable outcome for Mm -hmm. it, that I meet the right people to be able to get um, this thing done, that I will find success, you know, going about this, the way that I want to, as opposed to the way that people usually do. So yeah, that I think is my greatest fear right now. And it's inspiring me to just do things scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's where I am right now. Yeah, that's very relatable. 
you know, making the type of time, emotional, mental investment. Yes. And then you throw on top of that, oh, and I'm going to do things different too. Yeah. Just hoping and praying that it works out for the best, but you're doing the right thing by being diligent mm-hmm. and doing what you need to do now versus, you know, sometimes you can be afraid of something in terms of career, but then you're not really keeping your foot on the gas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you get to that end point or a crossroads and then you're, you're feeling regret for not maybe hitting the pavement as hard as you could have. Yeah. You start to experience the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and all that stuff. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm fighting hard against it. So, you know, prayerfully, everything will be well. And I know it will. <laughs> Period. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so speaking of career, I think this is a really good transition into our topic for today, which shout out to our Instagram um, community for voting on what today's topic should be, even though they won't hear it for a week and a half (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, because we are recording it early but the decision was made by our Instagram community to discuss what not to do in a professional setting so that's what we're going to discuss today and if you're listening to this and you don't follow us on Instagram please go ahead and do that because hopefully we'll do more of these types of polls to decide you know what topics should do and we're at girlfriends and goals podcast All right, so I'm going to kick it off with this question. How and where do you feel like you learned how to conduct yourself in a quote unquote professional setting? (laughs) Oh, so when I first was thinking about this, Mm -hmm. I initially thought about my time in business school, but it actually started for me much earlier than that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I learned how to conduct myself in a professional setting by really being connected at the hip with my mom during her phase of starting and building her businesses and running them. So when I was a little girl, I would say I was my mom's road dog um, when she was initially starting up. And her whole thing was my daughters or daughter will always be with me. I want them to be able to learn and experience um, a lot of the things that maybe she didn't at that age. And so, yeah, I would be with my mom everywhere from her going to the bank, her meeting with accountants, suppliers. uh, And then, you know, once her business was up and running, me being there, seeing the day to day and experiencing the great moments, but also the downs dealing with employees. So, I feel like at a young age, I was really embedded in this professional business setting. And I don't want to say exactly what my mom's business was, but she did it for about 25 years. And so that would be the majority of my childhood at that point. Uh, But yeah, just being with her and seeing those experiences. And I can remember as a child, you know, uh, sometimes being like, oh, I just want to go to the playground or I just want to go here or there. <laughs> and I, of course, had those moments, but I did spend a lot of time kind of learning my mom's business, also observing like how she conducted herself mm-hmm. um, when she was faced with certain crossroads involving her business. I got to see that. So, yeah, I would say I I learned a lot of it from my mom. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, mine is similar. So uh, I learned a lot from my dad because he's been in business the entire time that I've been alive. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of where I first started to see how to conduct yourself. And I used to want to be just an entrepreneur. Like I remember in high school, that was my mm -hmm. thing. Like, oh, I'll go to college, get the degrees, and then just start my own businesses. And that was uh, largely because that was what my dad was doing, you know, when I was younger and even up until, you know, my older years. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where I got a sense of how to conduct yourself professionally. Mm -hmm. uh, but and I'll talk about this later. I think context matter. So like what professionalism looks like in one country versus the other and, mm -hmm. you know, how you pick up certain things based on that. So, yeah, those are my first experiences with how to conduct oneself professionally. <laughs> and then, which, of course, huh? I was going to say, which is just so interesting that we have that in common. I don't think we've ever I think we knew that about our childhoods, but we never talked about it. Yeah, we never yeah. really did. Uh, and then, of course, like. Georgia State did uh, quite a bit. I'm specifically mm -hmm. thinking about one class that we took. Uh, I think it was it called business communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that class, the teacher was ridiculously, I mean, she was crazy. <laughs> she really <laughs> was. But there are certain things that like, even till this day, my students might email me, right? And I'm like, why would you email your professor this way? I don't, I don't think too much of it and I don't like calm down hard on them, but mm -hmm. I just always remember her even in my day-to-day -day interactions with my students now, like, why would you communicate professionally in that way? You know? Oh yeah. Definitely. Our time at Georgia state impacted me because I could remember for me, it was more so my first job out of college mm. and just engaging with people. You know, I don't know. I was just like, maybe it's different if you went to business school versus if you got a degree in science. I'm not sure, but I could tell the difference sometimes just yeah. with the people who went to business school. You just learn a certain, I think, level of etiquette in the way that you communicate or what's expected. Um, now it's up to you if you want to use it. Yeah, I'm going to say this too. I think society also teaches us a lot about how to um, conduct ourselves professionally, especially as Black people. But I remember like <laughs> trying to get a job our senior year of, um, of college. And I feel like there was one interview that you did <laughs> with, <laughs> with a wig on. You had your lots and I, mm -hmm. I always, well, I don't always think about it, but I just thought about it as we're talking about this topic because I think societally, that would have been something that we would have learned, you know, like you can't show up with your hair in its natural state or you can't show up with your locks and be considered quote unquote professional. Even me, when I was going on interviews, I had you do an updo on me <laughs> because, mm -hmm. you know, like I had to show up and be professional. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And for me, actually at that time, and I don't know if I told you this, but it wasn't because I had locks. It was the color of my hair. I don't know if you remember, yeah. but my hair was purple. I remember. <laughs> I remember. So, um, yeah, it wasn't because my hair was locked. Um, I have sister locks just for the audience. Uh, so they're very small. Most people don't even know what they are. Uh, they assume that there may be small braids or twists. But yeah, at the time I had like blonde, mostly not super bright blonde, but we'll call it blonde for mm -hmm. me. And then I had a section just in the front 
that was purple. At that time, I uh, really wasn't ready to color my hair back into a solid color just Mm -hmm. yet. I was just enjoying the rest of my flexibility and freedom with my hair color uh, while I was still finishing up college. So yeah, that was uh, the number one reason because I didn't want to show up with purple hair. That's funny. And it's something that I'm going to touch on a little bit later too. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on there being this double standard? Because clearly it's not the same for everyone in terms of what's professional and what's not. Yeah. So it's interesting that the hair color thing came up because I was recently in Liberia, which is where I'm from. And I went to a professional like place. I went to an office and several people there had braids, but of different colors, right? So the one that I'm thinking of right now was purple. It was like purple and gray and it looked so good. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like, man, nobody's really questioning this person's professionalism. Like people were going to her for answers and things like that. And so, um, it really reminded me that the color of your hair or your hairstyle has nothing really to do with how capable you are of doing a specific job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, obviously I live here in the U S so that's not something that I would even be able to recommend to someone Oh, just show up the way you want to, or with the color hair that you want to, you know, but I think as black women, we want to wear our braids and we want to express ourselves with our hair and things like that. And it's just, it sucks that there is that double standard a little bit. Um, I remember going to a conference and there was a man there who had a lip ring Mm. and he decided to do his presentation with his lip ring in. And I just remember sitting there feeling like I could never get away with it. I was the, (laughs) I was the, I think most professionally dressed person in the room, I had a blazer on child. I said, we're doing a presentation. Like I have to show up, you know, Mm -hmm. because if I slack off, I'm not getting a pass the way that this white male is going to get, you know? So I think it sucks that there's that double standard and that we have to just be on our toes about, oh, I can't do this or I can't say this or I have to watch that because professionalism. Oh, yeah, I could remember having a conversation with a younger family member. Mm -hmm. And they were at this phase where they were interested in getting tattoos. And I just remember saying, I think you should be very thoughtful about where you're getting those on your body. Because depending on what field, I don't think at that point, they knew exactly what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I just remember telling them that, hey, depending on the field that you go into, um, they may or may not find that to be acceptable on yeah. you because of your race. Um, and so, yeah, it definitely sucks all around. But what I will say, though, is that all work around is just finding the spaces that are the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. So when you were talking about this young lady and her purple hair uh, in this professional environment, it got me to thinking about how I feel like in 2022, a lot more workplaces are more relaxed, depending on the industry, obviously. So I think of people who work for tech companies, Mm -hmm. I can just remember engaging with people in that field and being like, wow, they, they really have a lot of flexibility, everybody who shows up, they have a lot of flexibility in how they can present themselves at work. And so, yeah, I definitely think it still applies, but also just finding the right fit. 
Yeah. And thinking about kind of where, where are you going to be spending the majority of your time? Mm -hmm. You know, if those things are important to you and if it would work, like I can remember, I used to do hair many moons ago. And so, you know, it would, you wouldn't be out of place for trying different hairstyles or whatever, you know, you could just do what you wanted to do. So if you know you're in cosmetology, then, you know, this, this conversation maybe is a mute point on that particular issue. It just depends on where the spaces that you're in. Because we have a whole episode uh, on like black hair in the workplace. I do kind of want to um, just go towards something else. And that's Mm -hmm. like what professionalism actually is. So I feel I feel like a lot of professional standards in this country are based on, are based in whiteness, if that makes sense. So the way that I might conduct myself, you know, it's not necessarily unprofessional, but because it isn't this like traditional tucked in, you know, not, not even me in particular, just in general, I feel like the standards for professionalism are rooted in like whiteness. For example, the military, right? Just allow people to wear wear locks. You have to show up in a certain way. You have to watch your volume in a lot of ways. Like, you know, it, it's the standard isn't me. <laughs> yeah, like what's culturally acceptable in these yeah. quote unquote professional spaces is going to be dominated by who is the majority likely of who's there. Yeah. I want to ask, have you had an experience where you've witnessed unprofessional behavior at an event or in an office? And what was that like for you? Yeah. So I have, it was with this particular lady um, when I had first started out at my first company out of school. And I remember uh, she was older than me, probably about maybe like 15 years at that time. And so, you know, she saw me, I was a younger black woman. She was an older black woman and she just kind of took to me and just wanted to start hanging around me. Mm -hmm. But I just noticed that some of her behavior was just unprofessional. Uh Uh-huh. In what ways? More so like, like an example would be, she would be at work having like very personal phone conversations out loud. Okay. And, and at the time, the office space was cubicle style. So you could hear. So even though she like, say she didn't work by my desk, mm-hmm. if I was walking down the hallway closest to her, I could hear it. And so I'll only give that one example, but there were a few more things or just things that I noticed about her. And she... <laughs> I don't want to say she really wanted to be my friend, but she just wanted to hang around me. I think, you know, it wasn't that many black women there. And so she just took to me and just over time, I started to distance myself because I just did not want people to associate me with like just some of the stuff that she was doing. And it was a big office and, you know, people would talk. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just like kind of slowly started distancing myself a bit. And then the final kind of like, mm, I, I think I don't think I ever said anything to her. I think she just kind of got the point because I was young at the time. I just I didn't know how to approach her, especially her being older than me. I kind of saw her as not an elder, but 
I had respect for her because she was older than me and it just would feel out of place to try to address the conversation of, hey, you're doing things. I didn't want her to feel like I, this young girl is calling me out. Even though I wasn't a girl, I was an adult. Just that level of respect I had for her mm. just because of her age. I just wanted to slowly back away from the situation. But either way, there was like a final straw where she came to me and told me something very personal and her and I weren't that close and it was really inappropriate (laughs) does she know that (laughs) and yeah maybe she thought we were closer than what we were but it was weird because I never reciprocated because Mm -hmm. to me you know you don't treat the workplace like it's girlfriends you know um there's a line there's a boundary there but either way she came to me with this story it was inappropriate and that's when I really was like, okay, that's it for me. That's it. That's it's a wrap on this. Yeah, it's a, it's a wrap. And I never told her. And looking back, maybe I should have. I mean, her and I were cool. I think she just got the point of like, oh, she's not avoiding me, but not coming around as much. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't eating lunch together like that. And yeah, wow. very awkward. That is really awkward, but I think I can understand that because you were such a a young person at the time, like you now, you would have probably confronted and been like, hey, this isn't necessarily working for me or I'd rather not. I don't know. Maybe it would be different now, but either way, like you said, she got the point. Yeah. I just think the age difference just made me not want to approach her Mm -hmm. in that way. I didn't want her to feel like, oh, this young girl is being disrespectful to me. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So as as far as I go with watching someone behave unprofessionally, it more so has to do with attitude. Mm. Yeah, so I specifically remember a moment uh, where somebody, we're in a group setting, right? And everybody was doing their part to pull off a, a specific ending, right? We had a goal that we're trying to meet and everybody was doing their part. This person's attitude was so terrible that she definitely burned a lot of bridges over the course of us preparing for this big thing. You know, it was a thing where it was a setting where you wanted to come in, fit in, like do your part. So that way we could have a successful ending. Right. But not only was she interfering with her part being done properly, she was making it really difficult for other people to accomplish their task by being difficult, by pushing back on things and kind of not caring and um, kind of coming in with this idea that even if I change things, you should be able to adapt to me. And it's like, okay, but you're not the boss. (laughs) Like we don't have to adapt adapt to you if we're doing what we need to do to reach this ending you know and Mm -hmm. so I think negative attitudes people who aren't trying to be collaborative uh, in a situation that clearly calls for that I think that's extremely unprofessional I think it's really distracting and it really does just kill kill morale a little bit I think as well so yeah that that would be my example Yeah, it could be unmotivating to everyone else who has the right energy to make it happen. Yeah, it makes people not even want to show up to do their part sometimes or just 
more comfortable with letting things that have to do with this person, letting those balls drop, you know, <laughs> because like, I would rather let that ball drop than interact with this person. And they'll just figure it out on their own, where they can be in full control, as opposed to, you know, me getting into anything with them. Um, because they're who they are. Yeah. So we've talked about specific instances where we've witnessed, but what do you feel like has been the most common thing you've seen? You've seen people do mm-hmm. in a professional setting where, that you feel like other people should absolutely avoid. So maybe not the worst thing that you've seen, but the most common. Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, this is going to probably sound like a cop-out answer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it it kind of goes hand in hand with burning bridges, but like maybe being passive aggressive. Mm. I think that's the most common thing that I've seen in my personal, like professional experience, mm-hmm. being passive aggressive. And the reason why I think that's really unprofessional and very terrible is because like, if again, it kills morale, it affects like the vibes, right, mm-hmm. of the professional setting, whatever the vibes might be naturally, but also not addressing things head on is a waste of everybody's time, I think. You're there for a specific reason. You're there to offer input. So if you see something going off the rails, it's not your job to come in and be passive aggressive. It's your your job to address that. And you have to find like the the best way of addressing it. Like, I'm not saying you just go and take over, you know, but you have to do the work to communicate it properly, not just sit back and be like, mm, well, that's how that's going to be. Or, you know, make other like little comments um, around. But I will say that's from my experience with being in an office full of, actually, no, I was going to say uh, with more women than men, but no, I think the men who were around were probably the most passive aggressive ones. So wow, that. yeah. How about you? <laughs> For me, I would say the most common thing, and it's a tricky one, but it's, People's physical appearance and how they present themselves, I feel like, has been the most common, unprofessional Hmm. uh, type situation that I've seen in multiple situations um, throughout my career and even in my personal life. But yeah, I think, like we said earlier, it, it sucks to be in a position where you feel like you don't have as much room to show up as yourself or have as flexibility and freedom because you fit into certain groups. But what I've seen is where, you know, there's kind of this expectation, whether it be within the company culture or guidelines and people just not adhering to it. And I think it's the most common because I think it's hard one, for people to address it. So a lot of people don't know unless someone will pull them aside, mm-hmm. which I have seen. Uh, but I think more times than not, people just don't know because people don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I've seen things where it's ranged from, eh, it's a little bit out of place, maybe the way you, you, you're dressing or um, maybe your hair, maybe not jewelry, whatever, to like really inappropriate items of clothing or lack thereof Mm. in the workplace. But it's tricky because people shouldn't be judged on how they're physically appearing. If they can get their work done, if they're, if they have a lot of talent, if they're good at what they do. Yeah, it should just be that. But I think it's most common because 
people just don't address it sometimes when it happens. So I think of people who have been in that position and people may whisper about it. They don't say anything. Mm -hmm. And the repercussions can come in different ways where maybe they're getting passed up for certain promotions or people don't take them as seriously. Um, And none of this is fair or right. You know, I don't agree with it, but it is very common. I've, I've seen it a lot in my career. You know what's interesting? So I used to have this uh, headshot-ish picture, right? And I loved it. My hair was, it was in twist, but it was kind of slick to the side a little bit. And uh, beautiful picture. <laughs> that sounds kind of conceited. The picture looked nice. I'm not saying <laughs> that I... <laughs> Anyway, but I had on these uh, Map of Africa hoops in it. And so I was applying for a fellowship and Mm -hmm. I went and got like brand new headshots taken just so I could wear small hoops. And a lot of Mm. people were saying to me, oh no, that picture looks fine. That picture looks fine. And now that I look back on them, like that picture probably was fine. Mm -hmm. But just the, especially because like professionally I am going to be an African scholar you know so there's no in my opinion now no issue with that but back then I was like I cannot like I have to go where the the small studs and Mm -hmm. take a picture if I'm going to send this off because you just never know who's judging based off of that so yeah it, it kind of sucks and if they did judge you which I've observed people being judged for things like that. Mm -hmm. They don't say anything. You maybe just will get passed over. Exactly. You don't get the job. You don't get the promotion. You're not taken seriously or you're let go if they're really bold about it and they feel like you're just not the right fit, quote unquote, culturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thankfully, I will say though, uh, since I started my career in Atlanta, there was a lot more flexibility, I think, in my, my hair. Like I remember from my first job, the first two interviews, I had the updo, but the third interview came at a time where I couldn't do anything else with my hair, but wear it how it was. Like it was very last minute. (laughs) And so I had to wear my twist out, you know? And I was like, well, if this is the reason they're going to pass me up, I guess I'm getting passed up. It worked out and I didn't, but yeah, I think being in Atlanta, not just Georgia, but Atlanta specifically, like there's a Mm -hmm. little bit more flexibility maybe with how you show up who knows yeah so you talked about people don't say anything the one instance where I can think of someone saying something and it was on a tv show so not real life was insecure when Molly addressed it with a a junior Mm -hmm. uh, I think lawyer uh, or maybe she was an intern and she pulled her to the side Uh, if you were in like a similar position to Molly would you offer feedback? And if so, how would you go about doing it? I don't think that I would mm-hmm. unless I had built up enough rapport with that person mm-hmm. to where they knew that my intentions were genuine mm-hmm. and my care for them maybe went even beyond the current situation we were in. Yeah. But I would want to know, I would want to know that they know that. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't say anything just because I think my knee-jerk reaction, if I'm in a similar situation to Molly, I'm at work, mm-hmm. is I don't want no smoke in the workplace. <laughs> as much as you would want to help people and 
pay it forward, my knee-jerk reaction is to keep the peace. If I have this stressful job, I have enough on my hands that I don't need any drama brewing Mm -hmm. because I was meddling in something where someone may feel like it's really none of your business. And actually, I was faced with a situation at work where I observed something that I thought was unprofessional that someone was doing. And I could kind of see the consequences playing out from it. Mm. And there was an opportunity, I feel like, me t- for me to say something. Uh, and I wanted to a few times, but I just never felt like the right moment appeared. And I wasn't sure. I think my hesitation was in that we weren't that close. Yeah. Me and this person. But it did bother me because I felt like, I'm older, I have a little bit more experience, but then at the same time, I didn't want this person to be offended or feel away because I still had to work with them. Mm. And I didn't want things to be awkward or weird. I just didn't know enough about them and how they would really take it. Yeah. So I let it be. Okay, so I feel like with this question, I would only have a dilemma if the person were maybe a Black woman or just a Black person in general. If this were someone from another race who I didn't necessarily have a relationship with, I wouldn't even be asking myself this. So the problem for me comes uh, comes when it's someone who I'm close to, no matter the race, or someone who is within a group that I identify with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I would say anything, but what I do know is that I would have that dilemma. (laughs) like that's all that I can say for a fact like with the Molly example and Insecure I think she should have waited a little bit longer it felt like that was one of the first or so conversations that they'd had and so I would have waited a little bit longer oh yeah it was definitely it well it came across as well let me just tell you about yourself they I don't think they had any camaraderie or anything yeah the girl literally had just started so that would be a definite no. Absolutely not. What, just so we can get maybe a list going before we end the episode, what are some things that you would not do in a professional setting? Um, for me, my first one would be use vulgar language. Oh, yeah. I just would not. I don't care if everybody else is doing it. I am not the one or the two. I won't do it. Yeah, that and engage in... Uh bad mouthing your superiors. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> I've witnessed a lot of that and I would just be a fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Not getting involved in off office gossip for sure. Yeah, that and um something that I would do even mm-hmm. though I know you asked like what would you not do but I think that this is a part of it is you know for many people your work uh professional settings don't just end at the end of your work day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you may be entertaining with coworkers after work, Mm -hmm. clients, depending on your industry. But I would extend that same level of professionalism Mm -hmm. whenever I'm with people I work with, Mm -hmm. whether I'm at a restaurant, happy hour, we're on the dance floor, whatever that looks like, I would extend that same energy. Mm, okay yeah so those are uh so I think we've done three so far Mm -hmm. I think I would add not getting too comfortable which is a part of um the vulgar 
you know, language thing. But if you come into an office, don't assume that you can be comfortable with someone because it is another woman, because it is another like minority, because another black person, like don't ever assume that you can let your guard down. That sounds so bad. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I, I I think, and people make friends from work, right? And I've made mm-hmm. friends from work. So there are exceptions to this, but everything in due time, not immediately, you know? Um, so yeah. The last thing I would add is, and I think it goes without saying in a professional setting mm-hmm. is being on time. Mm. and being respectful of people's time. I think it's a no-brainer, but it's another easy offender. Mm -hmm. You know what I just thought about? I don't know if this applies, but (laughs) at my first job, there was a lady who came in and she was working with a work friend of mine in their department. And she had said, she had embellished her resume a lot. (laughs) And so um, I think after about a week or so, she said to my friend who was the person who was like training her, she goes, listen, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I put it there because I felt like it would get me a foot in the door. And of course he snitched and wow. <laughs> yeah, and she was up out of there really, really quickly. Uh, so I think I would just be careful about crafting your resume. Mm-hmm. Um do what you can, right? But don't lie to the point where these are things that you needed five years of experience and you hadn't even heard about it, but now you're putting it on your resume. So that's something that I would uh, be mindful of. Yeah, I kind of want to say don't mix business with pleasure a little bit. Mm-hmm. That, that's <laughs> an easy, that's an easy one, but man. Or if you're going to do that, let it be with someone who shares your values and not exposing certain things because that could be a huge deal. Yeah. I think the only other thing I would say is in a professional setting, well, I think in life in general, but definitely in professional settings where there's a certain expectation of behavior or how you should be presenting yourself, Mm -hmm. that when things do go wrong or haywire or you make a mistake, it's unfortunate that Sometimes that's what people will remember you for. Mm-hmm. So just general advice for my younger self as I stepped into certain environments or rooms was just, especially as a Black woman, was just to remember that, you know, a lot of times people will remember your mishaps and your hiccups. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can dominate their opinion of you, even when you've had a squeaky clean, you know, record of how you're performing and how you're showing up. And so um, it's not to say that you're supposed to walk around and being perfect, yeah. but just being mindful that what people can remember about you can be very much influenced by you either adhering or not adhering to a certain type of behavior or the way you're presenting yourself. Agreed. And it's even harder for women who look like us to come back from things like that or make those situations right, quote unquote. Um, Not impossible, but it's just definitely harder because of the double standard that's there. Yeah. And then just to close this out, I would say mind the company that you keep. 
because you want to be judged on you and your professionalism and not others in theirs. So you might have to pull up Miosha and distance yourself from, <laughs> from a person or two uh, just because that's your like network. You know, a lot of networking is done at your place of employment too. So just be mindful of that. People are gonna leave that company and think about you and how you comport yourself and put in a recommendation at a different company for you or you know, wanna hit you up about an event that they need somebody to work or something like that. So yeah, just mind the company that you keep. We look forward to hearing what you guys think though about like what not to do in the workplace. But thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Girlfriends and Goals podcast. You've heard our thoughts on this topic, but we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at Girlfriends and Goals Podcast, where we'll continue this conversation over the next week. If you haven't subscribed, please go ahead and do that now. <laughs> and don't forget to rate, review, and share. Until next time, bye. Bye.